thanks, John. And um, uh, you can see I'm not Todd. And the um, what I'm doing today is uh, part of a series. It's not uh, Todd series. Todd series. Um, uh, what does that mean? Is um, opportunity for us to ask a question or, or give a passage that we've struggled to understand and um, le- learn how we could understand that uh, as Todd expounds it. But what I'm doing, uh, in a way, you could ask that question because uh, you can pick any particular scripture and ask that question, what does that mean? But I'm doing a, a, a series of three sermons uh, just about um, the basic the basics about Christianity. Um, today, it's about identity. And then in a couple of weeks, I'm looking at um, life and uh, living the Christian life. And the third one, uh, at some stage down the track, will be about hope. Um, if you like, you can put it in another way. Uh, we ask these questions. Who, who are we? Uh, how do we live? And why do we uh, go about it that way? Uh, identity. Motivation, commitment, uh, whichever way you want to divide it up. But um, those are the three uh, sermons that sort of will tie in together and they all come uh, from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and uh, chapter 5. So uh, one challenge that believers face today, I think, is to know who they are. Uh, And that's what we're talking about, identity. And it's important for two reasons. One is in terms of we need to understand ourselves, who we are individually as Christians and as a body of believers. And secondly, outwardly, for others to see and understand the difference that Christianity makes in our lives and would make in their lives too. Someone could ask, what makes you different from others? Or... What difference does Christ or Christianity make in, in my life or in your life? And we need to ask what an identity is. And uh, I'm simply going to look at two verses, as I said, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to explain that and in the context of the gospel. And then, because uh, identity is at the heart of Christianity, uh, what the gospel's about. And then also identity is at the heart of our modern culture, the thinking uh, that that is around today. The world constantly seeks to shape people into having an identity that is um, in in sync with the world and the world's ideas and what we can understand that it does lead to dead ends, it does lead to frustration, it does lead to disillusionment in comparison to having an identity which is in Christ, which brings joy and peace and fulfilment. So here's where I'm going to start. What is identity about? Well, at a basic level, we could ask uh, someone, you know, who are you? We'll, we'll give our name and we're, we're so-and-so from, uh, that's my father, that's my mother, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Um, I live here, I work there, and this is what I do. Um, And what do I like? I play this sport or I do that. On my weekends, um, 
and I follow that team. And we all get that. We all do that. We ask those questions and we give those answers. And they're all sort of external things. They're all on the, on the outside, you know, something we, it's good to know. Um, but deep down, who are you? How do you see yourself? Do you have a view that you are basically a good person? Do you view yourself biblically? Uh, Are you without faults? Um, Your self-understanding and your self-regard, that's what I'm I'm talking about. If anyone's uh, seen the first Shrek movie, you'll remember there's a scene where Shrek the ogre is walking through a paddock of uh, sunflowers and onions and um, the donkey who's following behind, who Shrek doesn't really want there, uh, is asking a lot of questions. And in the course of the conversation, Shrek says, you know, there's a lot more to ogres than people think, donkey. And donkey says, for example, he says, well, ogres are like onions. They have layers. Now, the donkey doesn't quite get that. And so he asks a lot of silly questions, you know, ogre's smelly and, and, uh, and so on. But what he's essentially saying is that people just look at the surface layer and they think that sums up a person. And as we mingle and sip on a cup of coffee or tea and we want to connect with someone or we get introduced to someone and we might ask, um, yeah, I haven't met you. Who are you? Um, or you might, how, do, how does it start? My name is. And you hope that the other person will respond and say, yeah, yeah, well, my name is too. Um, where do you live? Why did you come here? Oh, well, I came here because I had nothing else to do and I thought this would be a bit of a blast coming to Exchange Church. I mean, you know, see whether something weird's going on here. Um, Well, people don't usually come unless they're interested in learning about us, learning about Christ or looking for a church. It might shock us one day when someone says, well, actually, I wanted to just connect with you guys and understand more of the gospel and understand what Christianity is all about. What would we say? Oh, yeah, now where do you live? Um, You see, the trouble is, I believe, and I've noticed that many people seem to forget who they are in Christ, or they don't see what they should see. It's there before them, but they don't see it. And James in his letter says um, something like this, uh, people talk the talk, but they don't actually follow it through. Uh, They're like people who look in a mirror, but then they walk away and they forget what they look like. We shouldn't forget our identity in Christ. Or seeing but not seeing. Now, I'm telling this story and someone say, well, you should have gone to Specsavers. Uh, as, you know, one gets older, one, one's eyes get a little bit uh, uh, strained and looking at things and you realise that you need reading glasses. And then those optometrists and those clever people uh, with making lenses are able to adapt the lens so that the lens can blend in and so you can see at a distance and you don't need bifocals or trifocals, you can see right up. And that's how technology is is great for those that wear glasses. 
And my habit is that I will put down my glasses after uh, when I'm having a meal or when I've got to go to the bathroom or when I'm watching something at a distance sometimes I think, well, I don't need them, I'll just take them off. And uh, a number of times recently I've noticed this, that um, I've, I've uh, done something like I'm having a meal and then I want to get back and look at something, read something, do something like that. And so I start saying, well, where's my glasses? Um, now, I, did I put them on the kitchen bench? No. Did I put them on the table? No. Did I put them in the lounge room? No. I keep walking around. I'm thinking, now, did I go to the bedroom? No. I didn't go to the bathroom? No. Where are they? And then I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking, oh, they're on my face. <laughs> they're on, I'm wearing them. And I didn't realise all the time. I know, I should have gone to... Well, I did go to Specsavers. That's actually saying how good Specsavers are. You know, they make such good glasses and they're, they're there that you don't even know that they're there. But, you know, you're laughing and you probably can realise there's some situations like that for you too. Where's my phone? Well, it's in your bag, dear, where you put it. Where's that remote? I can't lost it again. Or where did we put that key? It was in a safe place, but I've forgotten where that safe place is. And often, you know, we, we recognise that something's right on our nose or in front of us. And Christians too forget who they are, their identity. Not seeing that truth. And it's often that when we get challenged or when we read the Bible and the Bible Reading the Bible does challenge us to understand what God's saying to us and accepting what he says to us and believing it and trusting what he says to us is right and good. Nothing more, nothing less. And so it's important that we do open the Bible, read the scriptures, that Christ's light would shine in our hearts and we'd understand who he is and what he's done for us. And so why is it important to understand our our identity. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5.17 and uh, we might get it up there. Paul writes this profound statement. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Now that's um, giving it, a lot of people sort of look at this as something, oh, well, in the future, you know, you'll be a new creation. A new creature. But it's actually the present tense. The Greek is, it's got a couple of more tenses than the English um, with the aorist and the, and, the, and the perfect, but it's a present tense. If anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. And just to reinforce that, he says, the old has gone, the new has come. Now, what does that mean? That's, that's the question Todd's asking. What does that mean for me now? Well, we can look at a number of other scriptures and it will probably come clear to us. When Paul writes to the Galatians, what does it mean when he says, I've been crucified with Christ? Does that mean that I hung on the cross with Jesus? made us his children. Or Romans, it tells us we are led by the Spirit because... We are sons of God, sons being the legal term for our, our rights and our privileges. How does a person get that status? Well, in Galatians, we read that 
Christ was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us from those who are under the law so that we could find our identity as sons of God, as people with those privileges and heirs and heiresses of all God's riches that come because of what Jesus has done for us. Or in Philippians, for me to live is Christ. My identity in living is Christ. Our position, our standing, our status comes not from ourselves or our efforts to live a good life. It comes only through what God does, through Jesus. And so that's really believing uh, this verse, what it, what it sums up, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we are new creatures and made right in God's sight. And it, it doesn't just apply to life to come, it applies to us right now. We are parts of the new creation which will be fully revealed when Jesus returns, when God brings a new heavens and a new earth into place. So in a sense, we know we're not totally new in, in one sense. Sin still lingers sometimes we go back to our ways. But as God looks upon us, we are new creatures in Christ. It doesn't mean that um, we're feeling good about ourselves on the base of our own achievements or, or virtuous behaviour. We can have a, a pride that is sinful but it means that God has done something for us and it's having that positive understanding that God says this about us, you're, you're righteous, you're acceptable in my sight. That's what he's saying. And we may not work through all the implications of that, but it has implications for those who don't have work or those who are struggling with their health or those who are looking for something more in life or who face serious illness or face some distress or hardship at present. That has implications for all of those things and it's good to understand what God has done and yet we sometimes forget it. We sometimes fail to see it. I know myself when I became a Christian I remember distinctly, I've got to understand God because he can understand me better than I know myself. And the verse that's, that sort of woke me up to that is, is in Jeremiah. Um, the heart is deceitful and above all desperately wicked. Who can know it? But God does know it. And I remember distinctly, I've got to find a church. I've got to learn more about God and more about Jesus. And we need to know, um, or we need to recognise um, that God has done that for us. Now that's, that's one thing and also it has implications for the church. And if you're a, a, a member or a partner of, of Exchange Church, here's a reminder. The mission statement on our website is that we live to worship and enjoy God by making disciples of Jesus. Exchange people live for others that they may come to know Jesus, that they may commit their lives to follow Jesus. But do we? Do we help others know Jesus? Are we 
really seeking that to happen in people's lives. It's our, our slogan is connecting people to and growing people in Jesus. And we should want to connect people with Jesus. We should want to see them connect and then to grow in Jesus. It's, it's certainly a, a big challenge. It's certainly a call to action. How can we connect others to Jesus? How, if, if we can't help people see how or, or understand how we understand ourselves, how can we help them see the big difference that Jesus makes and would make in their lives? And how can we help them see how the cultural identity that the world or they would have fails them or will fail them? And you see, we need to understand uh, too how the culture shapes identity. And here's how we do that. We need to see what people's deepest longings and desires are. People don't tend to share that too much. Um, But you just have to look at what their goals are, what their prime thing is, what what they're focused on, what's their greatest love. You know, do they, do they want a, a house with all the uh, open and shut doors? Do they, do they want um, uh, lots of children or do they want standing in the community? Or, you know, every culture helps or, or shapes people to think about what is, what is the ultimate goal. And I'll put it in simple terms today, um, but there are actually two streams um, that people recognise that are how the culture shapes us. One path is to look outwards, and this is more the traditional stream, and one path is to look inwards, which is more the modern day type stream of shaping our identity. And traditionally, uh, we go back perhaps maybe 50 years, 100 years, or even 1,000 years. Uh, the traditional culture was often found in fulfilling your role in the community, in the society. Uh, It focused on interdependence of each other. Everyone had some role to fill. You had to be a good father and a good mother and uh, you had to be a good citizen in society. Nothing wrong with that. But the focus was do your duty. And we see that um, as we look back in the stories and the history. So you would marry a person for the betterment of your family. It might not be that you love that person, but you'd marry them anyway because that would help your family survive and, and go on. And that was, that was part of the story, if you've seen that movie, Titanic. The young girl, Rose, resisted the direction of a mother. A mother wanted to marry Cal, who was so a wealthy uh, industrialist, uh, for the betterment of the family. Well, one of the most top-selling novels of all time, Gone with the Wind, uh, they call it a romantic story, um, but the girl there, Scarlett O'Hara, uh, resists the the the, um, the idea of going against the traditional idea of just marrying and settle down for the betterment of the family. Of course, it's in a very turbulent time, and so she ends up uh, marrying three people in the end. And then, uh, despite the failed marriages and the deaths and the lost loves, uh, she holds on to the fact that she has a house. Um, but in the modern identity, what we see today is 
each person needs to find themselves and, and you need to be independent. And it doesn't matter um, uh, who cares about you or what, what they say, as long as you're happy. Uh, and identity is not found outside ourselves. It's found within. We determine or the person determines what makes us happy. Be yourself. Don't worry about others or social expectations. Sound of Music, Julie Andrews says, you know, climb every mountain, follow every rainbow, cross every stream until you find your dream. Or you might remember or understand these words, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. Let it go, let it go, I'm one with the wind and sky, let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry, here I stand, here I stay. Let the storm rage on, let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore, let it go, let it go. Turn away, slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say, let the storm rage on. That's the words from the popular Disney movie called Frozen. You can see everything in our culture, the advertising, the movies, the the television, the radio, every message comes out that you can determine what you want to do as long as you're happy, as long as it pleases you. Of course, it'll be saying, well, if the relationship is satisfying, keep it as long as it pleases you. And it makes sense not to have any unconditional ties for a lifetime. If money or assuming amassing wealth gives you great identity, then pursue that. And it doesn't matter what what you do in in doing that, whether you break a few rules here or there, um, it doesn't matter. Some financial uh, advisors are doing this or doing that, you know, as long as it makes them happy. Of course, then we have to have royal commissions and so on and so forth. Modern identity, in the end, leads to devastation. It's crashing. And traditional identity can suffocate and frustrate And this is what people do. They put their power into these things. And then, you know, we don't connect the dots. We see what's in society, what people are murdering their children and um, uh, breakdowns in in marriages and so on. This all-consuming love of what they have, their passion, their, their identity is tied up in having that thing or having that relationship but they fail to see that these things are basically insecure. Lose the thing, lose the relationship, and you lose, in a sense, your identity. And even if you can keep that thing or that person, you'll discover the faults and you'll discover the dead ends and the path to frustration. I was reading about this chap, it was exactly a month ago from today, Uh, The food critics and the adventurers uh, around the world were shocked when the storyteller, popular chef, TV personality, Anthony Bourdain, uh, hung himself at 61 years of age in a a hotel in France. And the family were asked, how could someone so successful do this? He had everything, success beyond his wildest dreams and money beyond his wildest dreams. And yet Bourdain told himself, told everyone, it wasn't enough. Why wasn't it enough? Drugs and alcohol, he had a bit of that in his life. 
and food couldn't satisfy and eventually it led to depression. And on one episode of this famous program that screened um, on the television called Parts Unknown, he said, I could find myself in a spiral of depression for days. And it doesn't take long to figure out when you listen to some of his uh, talks. This is what he said when he was in Vietnam and sitting there in the streets, express his greatest passion. And listen to what his passion is about, what it's focused on. Of all the things I need for happiness, tiny little plastic stool, tiny plastic table, bowl of food, clam rice and small clams and shells tossed with mung beans and white rice and spiced chilies, crunchy roast peanuts and fried pork rind and fish sauce and chilies in it to roast your eyebrows off. And I'm a giddy, silly, foolish man beyond caring with a grin back in Vietnam. And this is the way of so many of the great meals I have, the way I like it. Eating out of a bowl in the street, scooters going by, so delicious. I feel like an animal. Where have you been all my life? As he looks at the food. Fellow travellers, this is what you want. With chopsticks and he's lifting his food and he's saying, this is the path to true happiness and wisdom. But he hung himself. You see, our souls, deep inside, we need much more than just food and money and grand experiences. And that's just one person's life who had much more of living to do. He had an 11-year-old daughter. And there are countless other evils, as I've pointed out, drug-taking, domestic violence, gambling addiction, marriage breakdown, sexual harassment, pedophiles, Bullying in the work or the school or break and entry crimes or abuse of power and vandalism and the list could go on. How can people find an identity that isn't frustrating, that isn't disappointing, that isn't excluding others, that isn't leading to a death? Well, here's what Christ did for us. As Paul writes... You know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He goes on a few verses later in verse 21 and says, For our sake, that's for you and I, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, we have this new identity. Despite our existing state, despite of whatever we see ourselves, however bad or good we see ourselves, we don't measure up. We can't fulfil our deepest longings and desires. And the only way we can find happiness and peace is accept what Jesus did on the cross. And through that, you are made a new person a new creature, and through that God sees you differently. Now, I've heard a number of analogies to explain that. You know, the white snow that covers the mounds of poo on the ground in winter, God's righteousness covers us. Or the man on death row given a pardon, or the stained and blotted page ripped out and, and replaced with a new, a new page, or the judge that pays the penalty and frees the prisoner. But in all these analogies, I don't think they help us grasp the fact that we have a new identity. It's an exquisite 
exchange, a counterintuitive thing, a, a double exchange in a word, that we need to be rid of our imperfect nature. And we can't do that. We can't get rid of it. It sticks to us. But Christ does it for us. And we also need the praise of our God, the God, creator God, the sustaining God of our world, the author of life. And we cannot get that in the way that we are in ourselves. But we can find it in Jesus because he is the worthy one. And through him we get our praise. So in Jesus our rejection is gone, our guilt is gone, our forgiveness is found and we are freed from condemnation. As Paul writes, who can separate us? We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so if anyone does seek an identity in the world, we can tell them that in the end it doesn't satisfy They won't be fulfilled if they're looking after getting this, having that, doing that. They'll find that that won't really fulfil them deep down or satisfy. But if you have an identity in Christ, you know, maybe the lack of work may bother you. Maybe your sickness or illness or not finding some love or something might frustrate you. But these things and situations cannot surpass knowing the fact that we have peace with God and God won't take his love away from us. He loves us so much. We are freed in this glorious gospel to live a life that is pleasing to God, an identity that can't be destroyed or lost, that brings great love and joy and peace and hope. Let's be thankful for that. Let's pray. And loving God, we thank you that this is a marvellous truth. And so often we forget it, we miss seeing it, we don't recognise it, but it's a way that we can help others know the truth, that they won't find themselves or they won't find satisfaction or peace or happiness or joy unless they find Christ. Lord, help us to shine brightly in this dark world. Help us to show the way. Use us as your ambassadors. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. John, did you want to...